Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, George. So the Athletic did provide, and I know it's early, but hey, it's never too early for mock draft season. They did their first mock draft for the 2023 uh, uh, draft. And in this specific mock, they did not have any trades. So that throw out, throw out the window. So they had the Colts picking at number 14. They took Will Levis out of Kentucky. So they had, it was Dane Brugger who did it. He had Will Levis falling down to the Colts at pick number 14. If that's the move, if that's a pick the Colts make, I know it's early. You like that one so far? No. I do not. And, and this I, is why and a lot of fans are going to be upset with that because I'm sure there's a lot of people on the Will Levis bandwagon, uh, a lot of people on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon. I'll just preview the offseason for you right now. I'm not going to be <laughs> on the bandwagon for either of those guys. I'm not. I'm very much in the same boat that you are. If we're talking first round, the only quarterback I really would take is Bryce Young. Or the rest of them, um, I just don't think I've seen enough from any of them to feel comfortable and it'll be interesting to see because one thing that, that we've heard from Chris Ballard a lot, because we've had to talk, we have a lot of talk with him about quarterbacks over the years. Uh, you know, you got to be very careful with those first round guys, because once you take that guy like Will Levis at 14, you're putting a certain set of expectations on him that he's got to be able to meet. So if you're going to take Will Levis at 14, he, he literally has to be worth the 14th pick. I know that's true of every position, but it's not. Because if a left tackle gets off to a slow start, there's going to be some some murmurs and there's going to be unrest, but not like the quarterback. If you're picked 14th overall and you're the quarterback and you're not starting in year one, that alone is going to be a major issue. Uh, and if, if you are starting and you're not playing well, I mean, just look at what's happening in Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. He had a big game Monday night, which I'm sure helps him out in his case. Do you think there's a lot of people celebrating that he was their first round pick last year? And I think that was like 21. So you just can't. You, you, I, I caught like scratch off lottery picks, which is how I see Anthony Richardson. Oh, I like that. Saying, okay. You know, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. I'm going to scratch it off and I hope it comes. You can't do that with first round quarterbacks. That's how you end up with EJ Manuel. You do not want to go down that road. And this team has enough other needs. If I'm sitting at 14, and I'm Indianapolis, I'm looking at the left tackle market. I'm looking at the defensive end market. Maybe there's a pass rusher I can get who can be a big difference maker. I'm looking at the cornerback market, and I'd rather gamble in round two with Hinton Hooker myself. I'm 100% with you. I am a, a million percent with you where, first of all, hope is not a strategy when it comes to quarterback, right? If you're taking a pick at 14, and like I said, outside of Bryce Young, I think every other quarterback in the first round right now is a hope project. Will Levis, like I said, I don't really have a lot of faith in. Anthony Richardson, it's a lot of tools, but the consistency has not been there whatsoever. CJ Stroud, that's a guy where you put any sort of pressure on him. You kind of see he does not play that, you know, does not play very well. He's not read the defense well. And that's a guy who has a million different weapons and options at Ohio State. And he's still struggling at high levels against, you know, some competent defenses. That's not a guy when the level, as we know, jumps from the college to NFL. I want to trust, like I said, with, you know, my, my team for the next few years. It's such a... 
highly uh, scrutinized position where, like I said, if you get it wrong, first of all, you know quickly. And second of all, you rarely see teams move off of their, you know, wrong picks soon. And you kind of almost get into a stage where it's like almost like if you get it wrong, it sets you back four years. And then that's if you get it right the next time. You know, you, you usually get a long leash as a first round pick just because, oh, it's a first round. There's a lot of talent there. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They'll change the GM. They'll change the coach before they do change a quarterback. So this is a massive gamble where, again, you are going to have your next five years, bare minimum, laid out for the Colts in either a good way or a bad way, depending on who you pick and, and if you hit it. And like I said, I don't want to trust the next five years to a quarterback right now in the first round, not named Bryce Young. So you're 100% right, George. If the Colts sit at 14, and let's just say that they sit at number 10, make it easy, right? And Bryce Young's not there. I'm not taking a chance. I'm not risking for anyone else. Where, Like you said, I'd rather pick right now a left tackle. I'd rather pick a defensive end. Hell, I'd rather pick another receiver, to be honest, and just load up on the skill positions. And then either, t- if you really like Hendon Hooker, and that's a guy who unfortunately tore his ACL, so he's going to be already an interesting prospect before he got injured. Now, obviously, his draft stock is going to take a hit because he's when he hurt it like two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, recovery-wise, he's probably going to miss at least the beginning of the season, maybe half the year. So now you're going to have a guy that's going to bare middle miss half the year. And it's going to take a slow yeah, – basically, year number one is almost a wash for Hendon Hooker next year. But if you're sitting there and you can tell me right now, you could at least take a chance on Hendon Hooker in the second or third round. I'd rather do that and take a left tackle or receiver or a defensive end in pick number, you know, in the first round and kind of take a, a chance there with a less valued uh, pick to the quarterback. They said kind of sit there at 14 and basically blindly pick Will Levis, throw a dart on the board and say, I hope he works out. I just have more faith yeah. in that because worst case, if Hendon Hooker doesn't work out, at least you got, in theory, a left tackle, receiver, or defensive end in the first run that could be a cornerstone for the next guy compared to, like I said, you swing and miss on Will Levis, and you also swing and miss then on an impact player at another important position as well. Yeah, I think that's how you exactly – how you just broke that down. I think that's how you get into trouble, you know, in the draft. When you when you take a – I'm trying to think of the guys over the years. Jake Locker, you know, at number 10 overall. Or, or Christian you go Ponder. Like, Christian Ponder, plenty. you know. When you do those things, Blaine Gabbert, you know, comes to mind. It it sets you back, you know. It it sets you back several years. And, you know, what are you passing on? Who are you missing? I know one of those years, J.J. Watt was on the board when one of those quarterbacks went out. You know, and I I just don't – I get it. I understand the fan unrest. I absolutely do. But it's why I've not been on the let's, you know, pile on Ballard for not drafting a quarterback high because I haven't seen one on the board when they pick where I thought they, they really need to go after, you know, fill in the blank. And honestly, the only one I think they even had half a shot at trading up for was Justin Fields. And it would have been very costly and you would just sign Carson Wentz. So it wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, I, I just don't there since Andrew Luck retired, there's not a, a realistic scenario in my mind that the Colts could have gone after a quarterback in the first round that they should have gone after and they didn't, and I think you've got to continue to be patient. Now, I think it's going to be harder for him to do this year if he's still in the job. For one thing, it's pretty clear that the owner is not happy with no. uh, anything right now, uh, nor should he be. I mean, let's. I, I'm not knocking Jim Irsay for that. He shouldn't be happy at all with what's going on in the direction of this franchise. Um, but also, I think in particular, he's not happy with the quarterback situation. Uh, because he's never had to deal with it. I mean, you think about his tenure as an owner, very quickly when he signed on, Jim Harbaugh was quarterback here. And they had that magical run to the AFC Championship game. And then, what, a year or two after that, you get Peyton Manning, 
and you transition to Andrew Luck. It's really the first time he, as an owner, has had multiple seasons where you're trying to fill this quarterback position. And I'm sure he's extraordinarily frustrated about it. So that might put pressure on Ballard to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. But I think that would be a mistake on Jim Irsay's part if that's what he does. Like, I think it's it's important to remember, because you're, you're, you're 100% right. The last two times the Colts have been in the quarterback market in the draft, they have the number one overall pick, and it's been generational talents in Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Like, that is not the norm. That is not how 99.9% .9 of the NFL lives. It's tough. It's a lot of misses. Like, you see a lot of guys flame out more than they hit. Like, there's a reason why there's, what, probably eight or nine franchise guys that actually, like, are truly, like, your cornerstone and you can't upgrade from. So you're talking about bare minimum two-thirds of the league always looking for some sort of upgrade or just flaming at it and missing on, on picks. It's not easy. It's just, oh, take down the first round and that's it. Because like you said, it's important to like a guy. I know Colts fans have been, you know, all offseason or all season, but really since, you know, the week seven to the Titans, it's been get a quarterback, get a quarterback, get a quarterback. And Chris Bowles has been criticized a lot. But again, it's important to remember, if you don't like the guy, you don't believe in the guy, you don't take someone just to take someone. You know, Chris Ballard said, you know, if I take a quarterback, it'll get you off my ass. And he's right until mm -hmm. the guy flames out or he swings and misses. And then Chris Ballard gets fired first for taking a guy. Now, again, it's frustrating. Don't get me wrong. But if you are the Colts, you also got to remember, like, this is it. We just said like, it's an important decision where it sets you back three or four or five years if you get it wrong. I just don't trust right now a guy like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, if the Colts aren't able to trade up. Or, again, Bryce Young's off the table at number one. I don't really right now like any of these guys. Like I would explore maybe just a field trade if he's available. I would explore a Trey Lance trade if he's available. As now, especially this week, it's seemingly more and more conversations of, oh, could Jimmy G stay in San Francisco? I really take a chance on Trey Lance. It's just like there are a few guys I like, but otherwise it's just like you go Anthony Richardson. Okay, what if he's up and down or not? Like how long are you going to give him before it's like, oh, swing and miss. We got to go somewhere else. You yeah, have it's to a have delicate balance. In my mind, you've got to have at least a 51% belief in your room that this guy is going to hit. You know, if it's 50-50 even, I just don't think it's worth it in the first round. And I know there's a lot of fans who are going to disagree with that, and I understand where they're coming from. You know, their whole idea is if there's a 10% chance that that first-round quarterback can turn into Patrick Mahomes, then, then you do it. I understand that thinking. I think I was there when I was younger. I really do. I think that's that's kind of where I was at. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, I was like, oh, man, if, if there's even any shot that this guy could be a star, you got to do it. But I think as I've been around the league and, and covered, you know, league for, for a decade now, you kind of understand, like, you really need conviction. Like you said, that's that's the word we hear from Ballard all the time. And it's the correct word in this case. You need conviction on that quarterback pick. And what we've seen him do instead of going after first round guys is gamble, but do it a lot later. Now, I wasn't a fan of either Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger in the draft. I'll be straight up about that. Yeah, But I didn't mind either pick because one was in the fourth round and one was in the sixth round, and I know what they were doing. With Eason, they were they were you know gambling on measurables. You had a guy with a million-dollar arm uh, who was, I think, a five-star recruit coming out of yeah. high school, national quarterback of the year type of guy. So in the fourth round, that's worth it. It didn't work out because, as you just said, far more than 50% of these picks do not work out. Um, and then in the sixth round on Ellinger, you were going with the opposite of Easton. You were going with a guy who didn't have the measurables but had all the intangibles, the national leadership, the, the high football IQ, uh, and that doesn't look like it's working out either. But again, it was a sixth-round pick. 
it's worth the gamble. I think if I'm Chris Ballard in this draft, I am looking at doing that sort of thing earlier, making that kind of gamble in the second or third round. But I, I just would never do it. The first round, you've got to walk away with a difference maker, no matter what right. position it is. You got to, especially this team right now, there's too many other holes. If you're the 49ers and you can argue all they need is a quarterback, sure. Go ahead and and take that shot right. and, and see what it comes out as. Uh, but the Colts aren't in that situation right now. So, you know, get in that situation and then make the 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 gamble, I guess, is, is my point. Right. Three quick things. Number one, I would even say higher than 51%. Like, I think you need to have for the, like, 70% conviction doesn't mean you get it right, but you really have to believe in the guy to take him because you said it's such an important position. And the Colts are not in a position where, oh, we're quarterback away, everything else is set. So you kind of make that transition easier. They're going to have a lot of uphill climbing to do. And you're going you're to need that quarterback to kind of come in and, and lift everyone else around them. So I can't sit here and get mad at Chris Ballard if he's just going to say, well, like, will, like, it's not his fault. If the only quarterback worth drafting in the first round is is Bryce Young, like, you can't get mad at him that, oh, you know, he's not taking Will Lover's Andy Richardson if you don't like him. Because, again, that's how bad teams stay bad. You mentioned Patrick Holmes, right? Oh, if there's a 5% chance, you do you risk it. Look at the Jets right now. Zach Wilson, he was coming out of the draft. He was, oh, measurables. This could be, the, you know, the next Patrick Holmes. 20 games later, he's on the bench for Mike White. And has anyone heard of Mike White before, you know, last week? No. So now you have like a, I think he was undrafted, I believe. You have a guy who's undrafted playing better, understanding the offense and being a better fit than the number two overall pick. So again, it's like you can get enamored with the with the with the arm, with his footwork, you know, with his spiral. But if you can't put it all together, you can't, you know, be consistent. It doesn't like you have no use. And again, you're getting you're seeing a guy the number two overall pick with the Jets on a playoff caliber roster getting benched for an undrafted guy because he can't run the offense well. And again, that's just such a, a catastrophic loss for the Jets. But they could have had an impact. They could have had a guy like Kyle Pitts. You know, we'd rather Kyle Pitts. Right? If you're the Jets right now, looking back, we'd rather Kyle Pitts or Zach Wilson. I bet you a lot of them they could redo, redo that draft. Their GM Joe Doug would say, oh, "I'll take an impact, you know, tight end, or I'll take an impact defensive back over right now the number two overall pick that flamed out." And then number three. There is a big difference, George, between a first-round quarterback and a second-round quarterback. You know, it, it, maybe in your mind, if it's only 20 picks or 20 slots difference, it's maybe not as big of a deal. It's massive. So if you talk about a guy like Hendon Hooker, who especially is coming off an injury, the expectations of pressure on him is going to be far less. And he's going to have a little bit greater margin for error before the scrutiny really comes in compared to taking Will Levis, let's say, at pick number 14 or Anthony Richardson at pick number 10. The, the, the scrutiny, the pressure, the attention on a second-round pick or maybe even a third-round pick compared to the first-round pick, it's infinite. It's massive. So, again, like you said, if you take a risk of, we'll take a left tackle, a defensive end, a corner, like whatever impact player, whatever impact position you want to do, it, let's say pick 14 or pick 10, and then kick the can down the road to the second round and take a guy like Hendon Hooker, take the risk, it's far less riskier and it's, you know, far less pressure on that quarterback like Hendon Hooker compared to, again, you put all the pressure, all your eggs in the basket of Levis, Richardson at pick number 10, let's just say for argument's sake, that's where it ends up being. It's two different situations. Yeah, it's completely. And and frankly, I like Hooker better as a prospect. You know, I Me think too. if he was not injured, I would be championing him at that 14 pick or 10 or or wherever it is. Uh, so I think it's a chance to steal a guy. I mean, if, in my mind, it's a chance to go in and, and, you know, was it Willis McGahee, I think, 
who came in with yeah. the, the massive knee injury. He never got, I think, all the way back, but he was a, a pretty good NFL running back. Uh, and it was a situation where I think it was the Ravens, I want to say, who, who made that pick, you know, swipe a guy. That, that's what you want to do. Um, I think there's a chance to do that. I'd feel more comfortable banking on that, that, that Hen and Hooker can come back from the knee injury and, and be that guy, uh, even if it's 2024, that you've got to wait for that to happen in, uh, which it most likely will be because, like you said, next year's pretty much shot. I think the best hope you have next year if you draft him is that second part of the year he could come in and, and have you know a short yardage goal line package that, that's his. But even that's going to be tough. I mean, he's probably right. not going to be able to practice till midway through the year. He's going to have to learn so much. You know, he's going to have to go through training camp in the middle of the season, basically. Um, yeah, I, but I, it's worth it to me. That's the kind of risk I would want to take because I, I think the talent's got to be there above all else. You know, I, right. I just, I, and it's not that Anthony Richardson's got a lot of skills, like you said, but I'm watching, you know, him at Florida and he's inconsistent there. So to draft him and think he's not going to be inconsistent in the NFL, I think is crazy. And like you said, to draft him at say number 10 overall, which is probably what it's going to take it. You're putting so much pressure on this guy. Now, all of a sudden to, to come out and be, you know, Patrick Mahomes and it's not who he is. Right. So I just, I, you've got to do it based on the quarterback, not on the need. And again, I'm with you. I, that's why, you know, we talked, it's funny because we, we opened the show with, with trade up scenarios. I don't know if, if it, it's really the right move to do that. Uh, because again, if Bryce Young's the only guy and I think both of us feel that way, the only way you can move up the two is if you're really positive for some reason that the Texans are going in a different direction. And right. who knows? I mean, maybe they fall in love with Will Anderson. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen him as the number one guy on the board in, in a lot of, you know, early, not the number one pick, the number one prospect on the draft right. board. Um, you know, and if maybe Houston's of the mindset, we know they've been a patient kind of rebuild over there. Maybe they're of the mindset of take Will Anderson and, and wait next year and go after Caleb Williams. Because I think a lot of people right now would, would put Caleb Williams at the top of this draft. Absolutely. Know? So I think that's another element that, that's going to be at play here with teams like Seattle, for instance, who might say, we've got a guy. Let's wait another year. It's going to be really interesting to see how this quarterback situation plays out. Straub is a guy that, like you're talking about the difference between the first and second round guy, I feel a lot differently taking C.J. Stroud in the second round. It's not something you can do. He won't be there. But to me, I feel a lot differently at that point because of the expectations that are put upon him. And look at, stay in division, look at Malik Willis, who last year was, for the most part, the number two quarterback in that draft class. And, and some people, again, had him even higher than Kenny Pickett. But when you look at how the draft shook out, and Kenny Pickett's the only quarterback that goes in round number one. And then I believe it was round three that Titans got Malik Willis. There's no pressure on Malik Willis. He's a guy that, you know, started one game did not, or two games and not play very well. But it's not like the weight of the world is on Malik Willis' shoulders to take this Titans team from where they're right now to a Super Bowl contender. Maybe it could happen. Like maybe that's a guy in, let's say, a year or two needs, you know, kind of needs the game to slow down, kind of gets comfortable and then explodes. Maybe. But he at least is where he was picked impacts how teams view him and lessens the pressure from the fan base because, oh, it's a third-round pick, kind of a project. Like anything I feel like outside of the first round in the fans' perspective, and I'll include myself in this, is viewed almost like a project. 
And so that just helps kind of ease guys into it and just lessens the pressure immediately because we know it's the most important position in all sports. And it's a, truly a pressure cooker if you take a guy high up and where it's like if you don't see immediate results, everyone's like, oh, get him out. Like, oh, we got to move. You know, it's, it's trade him. This guy's not very good. So I think you're right where it yeah. does lessen the pressure if you take a guy like Henry Hooker in the second round and, and still address the guy in the first round. And I think a really, really good example of that's Andy Dalton. I mean, you're coming in, you got to replace Carson Palmer. If, if that's a first round pick in Cincinnati, you know, there's there's all kinds of pressure. There's there's all kinds of criticism of, of his play. He was able to come along slowly. And Dalton didn't become a superstar, but it took that team to what five or six playoff trips. They won some division titles. It wasn't a terrible run by any stretch of imagination that they had with him over there. Um, and I think it, it, does that happen if they take him in the first round? I don't know. I think the fact that he had that time to kind of, he started right away, but he had that sort of safety net of, okay, he's a second rounder, you know, set your expectations accordingly. I think that's a perfect example of a guy that probably benefited from that. So again, those are things that are out of the Colts control. You can't just, it's not an, a silent auction. You can't just, throw a bid in there, you know, this is the round I would take this guy in and, and that's how you get him. But yeah, you know, I think it, as we go through this, the rest of this season, the Aussies, I think one of the really interesting things to do will be to look at the non first round quarterbacks and who do you have the most faith in, you know, after round one. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And that could be a situation like I said, but it's maybe more likely than not that the quarterback, the Colts get, like I said, is not in round one. And so it's going to be fascinating to watch for sure. But that's definitely something that, you know, keep your eye on Colts fans for sure, whether it's trade-up partners like the Bears, like you mentioned, or it's quarterbacks like, you know, potentially Hendon Hooker, where you can kind of get a two-for-one double dip. Let's say maybe get a left tackle in round one. You take a guy like Hendon Hooker in round two, and you hope that if both hit, all of a sudden now you are going forward here looking really, really good. Um, and kind of set yourself up for success compared to if you take a risk, take a guy you don't believe in or maybe 50-50 on and Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, they could work out, sure. But also, they, they fail. You are setting this team back big time for sure. All right, so always got to get it. It's always fun to kind of start getting an early draft preview in on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. When we return, we've talked a lot about the quarterback. What about the head coach of the Colts? There was one guy I think that maybe could be coaching his way out of the, uh, out of the search. We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. 